Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, we are really in the thick of it now. Yeah, the thick of uh, the, what? Elections, elections yes. and uh, fall. Fall, it's a good, good time of the year. That's true, that's true. We can ignore the elections, but a lot of people worried about that, though. You and know, football all, season. Everybody's playing football. Some we are. Better than others. True, we yeah. Talk. We've had some good games. We had some big losses last yeah, week. So. no doubt. But I, I won't I, speak of those teams. Yeah, I did some research. You remember you were making fun of my uh, prescription of the week last week a little bit. True, just yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, I just wanted to barb you. You know, didn't have any details for I, me, man. Well, I know, but it was uh, it was the uh, intent of changing it out. But this will True. be the motivating factor. It's a couple hundred dollars. We've seen estimates as high as $600 if you change out your light bulbs. Okay, yeah. Yes. I just wanted to review what we yes. were talking about. So we talked about <laughs> you know putting um, you know uh, LED lighting in your house, and it saves you know five to six hundred bucks a year. So yeah, not insignificant. A lot more than I thought. You right, put that I in was... a Roth IRA over forty years, Steve. You can have a lot of money. I'm just yeah, saying that's huge. So I mean, basically, you pay for the bulbs in just yeah, one year. right? That's right. So, it's a, a half a year is what <clears> they say. But uh, wow, that's a big savings. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. Well, like that's good. I spurred you on to you give did. us some useful information there, that's John. Right. Well, it was useful. It just like backed it up that's all that's right <laughs> but, <laughs> some facts for me it's so, good you know speaking of good stuff good information we got um the six timeless money lessons we're going to talk about this is based on an article out of morning star and this has some great um uh, mm-hmm. you know great things that you just need to to think about whenever you're looking at your investments um, you know, and just how you handle your money long term. You know, these yeah. are six things you want to want to listen to. Morningstar is such a great uh, website. It's yeah. got really, really good information. So that, that'll be a good discussion. Then we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about old 401ks. Steve, it's amazing how many um, jobs people have over their careers. I mean, it's it's over 10 is the average. And so people, you know, typically have old 401ks yep. sitting there, a lot of times not being uh, looked at or, you know, managed or so forth. And so the question is, is what should you do with them? You have a couple of different choices that we'll we'll cover yeah we get that question all the time so that'll be a great topic um and uh by the way i'm steve marbert i'm a certified financial planner and a dave ramsey smart investor pro with over 25 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice and i'm john travis i'm a dave ramsey certified counselor i have an mba in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen from your computer, download it to iTunes, or from iTunes onto your iPhone, Android. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. But on the website, Steve, as you know, we have a lot of really good resources on there, calculators and some other things you got to check out. Also, a Facebook page, MoneyMD. We put a prescription of the week, and it's, uh, I'm up this week. So go check it out. Yeah, and send us your emails or, or questions, if you will. You can link to us right on our website. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about those right on the air if you're sending those to us. But we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from uh, Fannie Mae, and it's amazing what the interest rates are. Steve, at the beginning of the year, a 30-year fixed mortgage rate was about 3.7%, uh, wow. and um, 30 years. And so that, that would produce about a $461 
uh, principal and interest payment um, for every $100,000 borrowed. Today, it's dropped to 2.9%. And so you could, with that $461 payment, you could get $111,000 loan. So it just stretches the dollar. Um, we've seen 15 years down in the 2% range. So yeah. I guess the takeaway on this is if you haven't refinanced, if you're up in the 3% range, even three and a half, you got to look at it. Something to think about. Yeah, I've ever, yeah, I had somebody the other day got a 15 year for 2.3%. Uh, that's remarkably low. So even if you took out your mortgage five years ago and you think you had a good rate back then, which it was, you know, yeah. anything under four we thought was good. Now we're looking at under three. So, you know, about 1% is that threshold. If you can save 1%, mm-hmm. then you, you usually want to pull the trigger on that, but take a look at it. Um, rates have not been this low in my lifetime. So yeah, probably never will be. Probably again. never will again. So yeah, that's a great fact of the week and int- something you really need to pay attention to. All right, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is six timeless money lessons. And John, this is based on an article out of Morningstar um, very recently. But um, you know, the first one here, we're just going to jump right in. The first one here is to save early and save often. Mm. You know, and this is a lesson that... Um, you know, they mentioned, but but I learned early on um, really what compound interest meant in my engineering economics class as a freshman at Clemson in the early 80s. Um, and I was amazed. I had no idea that, you know, compounding interest or compounding returns could do the magic that it does. You did, know, I, I was... Did they have calculators back then? Well, you know, they didn't, I know John, it was pre-computer. But slide but rules, but... No. Abacus, you know, type, okay. I'm just making sure. I'm, we yeah. had calculators. Okay. I, had a, I had one that, like, you could program basic in, man. Uh, so I we just, were just a computer calculator. It had 8K <laughs> of RAM. It was, like, really sophisticated. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but, it, you know, the compound interest is amazing. Because I got so excited about it. You know, my professor called it the eighth wonder of mm-hmm. the world. Um, you know, I started running numbers to figure out how much I would need to save back whenever I was in my twenties, right, to um to become a millionaire one day. And uh, you know, I figured out how much you needed to save every year and what rate of return I need to get. And I was just giddy excited about that. It's just something I never concept I never heard of before. And it just it just points to the fact, and it is true, there's no doubt it hasn't changed today. It's still as amazing mm-hmm. as it's ever been. So if you want to give yourself the best chance to reach your goals and be super successful in investing, then start early, save periodically, let the magic of compounding work for you. Yeah, so the second lesson here, which is great, is don't look for, for magic. Dave Ramsey basically says investing and building wealth is is like a, a crock pot. It's not a microwave, right? It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. It's not there's not a quick and easy solution for success. I mean, if we could sprinkle fairy dust on the portfolio and turn it into uh, you know, a million dollars, we would certainly do that. So investors are all too receptive that they can, uh, you know, reach their goals without significant sacrifice. But, um, you know, investment portfolios can work magic if you uh, if you diversify and you have time on your side. So investment selection obviously does matter, but luck also plays a role in financial sec- success as well, uh, even though a lot of lucky ones among among us do not admit it. So don't underestimate um, the, you know, the, the mundane financial steps to success. I mean, you know, it's like uh, the unsexy financial equivalent to, to losing weight would be like eating fruits and vegetables and 10,000 steps a day. It's not a lot of fun, but the results are pretty good. So start early, have a great allocation, have discipline to be patient, 
uh, those are the keys for overall success when it comes to investing. And it's really not magic. It it takes a great process, you know, a, a good strategy and some understanding of kind of the things we're talking about today. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one. Yeah. The next one here on the list, though, John, is invest for the long term. You know, I mean, learning to invest, um, unlike other types of learning, um, as it experience frequently teaches you the wrong lessons, you know, due to the randomness of, uh, of, of the short term price movements. You know, I mean, people get caught up in the ups and downs of the market mm-hmm. and they 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 don't they learn the wrong you know motives for making trades and for investing in the first place. Um, you know, for example, a person may learn that they can buy shares in companies with good growth prospects deliver and deliver higher than expected returns, only to subsequently discover that, you know, it's not always the case. And it can also be huge. There can also be huge losses. And so the kind of the weakness of that feedback loop when learning um, to invest makes it difficult to distinguish between wisdom and from noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's only when we kind of observe the returns over the longer term along with the occasional drops that we can really derive some meaningful lessons about investing. And, you know, it's for this reason that it's important. It's an important lesson for us is to adopt the long-term approach. Um, You know, rather than worrying about uh, what the next few days, weeks, or months are going to bring, try to think in terms of years. And this is particularly important, you know, in this election year when, you know, everyone's worried about what's going to happen if one candidate or one party controls Washington um, of course, over years, you can be a lot more confident. The market and your funds will reflect their fair value and reward hard work um, that's required to stay disciplined and invested over time. So successful investing is a long game. And over the long run, markets have greatly rewarded those with patience and nerves of steel. Um, and so when you when you have... when you, but you have to be able to have stomach the losses along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this is not a lesson that can be learned once, but instead it's kind of it's kind of an abiding commitment that you have to constantly test um, yourself with and you have to reinforce over time. And, um, you know, you have to you have to get rid of those short term thinking. You have to start thinking long term when it yeah. comes to investing. I mean, one of the facts about investing that we see is historically the markets are down about 25 percent of the time. That's right. On an annual basis. Yeah. One out of every four yeah. years. It goes back to 1926. So there are going to be negative years happen in the future. You just got to program that in. And when it happens and you're building wealth, it's actually a good thing. You're buying more shares. So exactly. it's OK. Focus on that long term. Uh, another key here, which we talk about all the time, and obviously uh, Dave Ramsey does as well, is diversification. And when it comes to investing, a lot of times people stick close to home and they buy stocks or funds that they know. And they um, they do this because they're most comfortable with the big names they've known for years and they think they understand um, the businesses. But as your investing knowledge grows, people learn that diversifying globally, uh, especially into regions where you know the valuations of certain asset classes are more appealing, uh, will get your portfolio more diversified and, and should increase your portfolio's risk risk adjusted return over time. So be diversified. There's a reason why people like us and the Ramseys of the world talk about that. That's right. And I mean, U.S. stocks only represent about 50% of the world's equities. So, you know, if you don't venture outside of the U.S., you're going to miss out on a lot of important asset classes that could benefit your portfolio. So in constructing your portfolio, you should try to choose a broad array of global asset classes and investments that have returns that are not highly correlated. You know, they don't follow one another. 
Um, and if you do that, you know, you'll be able to reduce your overall portfolio volatility while at the same time increasing your risk-adjusted returns. That's really what diversification is about. So definitely want to diversify. Very, very important. All right. The next one here, John, is one that, you know, people intuitively don't follow. And that is, the lesson is don't mess with your portfolio. <laughs> Leave it alone. Yeah, sometimes right? people think action's required. Exactly. They do. You know, good investing is pretty boring. So it's tempting to stir the pot and mess with your portfolio. People often, you know, assume the best investors and the best way to invest are flashy. Um, you know, and while that can work for some people, for the vast majority of investors, a relatively boring strategy that involves a well-diversified portfolio of funds and many different asset classes is probably the best strategy, and it's the smartest strategy. Over the years, you know, we've noticed that it's a common trait of successful people is discipline. Mm -hmm. um, having discipline is investing in, in in investing is one of the hardest things that you can do, and for good reason. You know, it, that's the... I mean, there is a very strong emotional tie with money that, and what it represents. And for that reason, you know, when I began investing myself, John, in my 20s, you know, I was glued to the trading account. You know, I had a trading account, a discount brokerage firm, and I would watch that thing go up and down every single day. I would pay attention to it. I'd trade stocks often, um, you know, whenever it went up or whenever it down, I, I would set a stop loss in my accounts for about 7%. And, you know, after doing that for a while, I found out that you really don't, you don't gain anything by doing that. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, a lot of times you're locking in those losses when you're selling every time it takes a 7% dip. So I mean, looking back on that, um, you know, this, all this meticulous monitoring, trading really didn't amount to much of anything except raising my anxiety level and raising my cost, mm -hmm. you know, and the commissions that I paid to my discount brokerage firm. So the reality is, you know, and I've learned since, is that over the short term, there's really no way you can produce any meaningful results with that kind of speculative trading, not on any consistent basis anyway. And, you know, it really is just a waste of energy. Short-term moves in the stock prices are driven by hundreds of thousands of market participants. Some, you know, like me, were probably foolish in doing the same thing. You know, they're just out there trading based on movements. And, you know, letting your emotions get involved in the investing process only heightens the problem. So you got to start looking at your portfolio long term, not every day. Um, and you got to detach yourself emotionally from those short term movements of the market. So it's another simple lesson, but, you know, it's very, very important that you don't mess with your portfolio yeah. often. Yeah, and then, you know, the event-driven changes. we got the election coming up, and people are worried about that. Well, you know, the election is one of, you know, a hundred different, you know, scenarios and factors that impact the market. So exactly. making a decision on an event that's happening is, is also not – you know, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be messing with your portfolio based on events uh, is what it boils down to. The last one here is great. It kind of sums it up is, is make sure you have a plan. And if you want to reach your goals, um, then you need to know the steps for getting there. And this is where having a plan really comes into the picture. And sure, investing is a, in a great portfolio is important. But the truth is, you won't stick to anything if you don't have an overriding plan of where you're going. So, you know, without a plan, there's always, you know, will be a glimmering distraction to pull you off track. Maybe it's buying 
win a timeshare after a compete uh, compelling sales pitch or maybe a new boat or the you know the fan- latest fanciest uh, vehicle um, that that you've been looking at so there's always going to be something which will feel like a great idea at the moment and if there's not a plan in place to filter those ideas through then these distractions become major potholes on your road for success. So for the planning piece of it, very, very critical. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, having a plan in place with, you know, how much you plan to save, how much return you need, and when you're going to be able to retire or reach your goal is critical to keeping you on track. Um, you know, and it, you have to have the discipline. Um, and if you don't have that overriding financial plan, you're not going to have something to reground you to give you the the assurance that you need that you're still on track in crazy years like this one. So uh, create a specific create a specific financial plan for where you're trying to go. Review it at least once a year to refocus your efforts and ensure that you're on track. So that's the last lesson um, from Timeless Morningstar. Lessons. Timeless yeah. lesson. Good. There I like you go. Them. All right, and that leads us up here to the question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with uh, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University class. This person said, I've taken the class uh, several years ago. Should I take it again? And I guess if you're struggling with an area, uh, certainly I would say yes. If you uh, need a refresher, you know, maybe some motivation, then I would say yes. And then, you know, we, we do run across people that are like, Hey, you should be teaching a class. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. neat way to go back and refresh is to sure offer it is. in your, your church or your community. Uh, right now it's all virtual, um, but, um, you know, it, it just depends on the situation. It can't hurt. And for young couples, good grief. I mean, I, I see so many young couples that really are not on the same page. You know, the husband might be a spender. Maybe the wife's a saver and vice versa. Um you know, going to a plan together, going to a class together, an FPU class together, really gets you on the same page. And it, you know, you create goals together. It gets you that conversation going. So I think it's a great thing for couples to do together. Mm-hmm. So yeah. highly recommend it. Um, so good question of the week. Yep. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is what should I do with my old 401k plan when my job ends, when I, when I, yeah, leave, move, move right? on. Yeah, retire. We get this question all the time. <clears throat> we do. This is from a Diversifund uh, company, and uh, you know, Steve, about fifty-five million Americans contribute to a four hundred one k plan through their employer. And uh, according to a report back in uh, twenty eighteen from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average person changes jobs ten to fifteen times, with with ch- twelve job changes being average. That's amazing. That's a big, big number. That's a lot of changes. 12. Good grief. It really is. And statistically, a few million workers a year are faced with the dilemma of what are they going to do with their old 401k when they switch jobs. And whether you've been at your your current job for one year or or 15 years, your 401k is an important asset for you to take control and care of. So, and when the time comes to switch jobs or organizations, it's helpful to be aware of your options so you make the right move. Um, So we're going to kind of dive into this a little bit and... uh, Define what a 401k is. Yeah, so let's review what a 401k is. Yeah, so it's just a retirement plan, of course. Um, Then it allows employees to make automatic salary deferrals out of your paycheck directly to this retirement account. Um, You can do it either as a percentage or dollar amount um, specifically, but it goes directly into an investment account. Many employers even match a percentage of that. Most employers do, I would say. Um, Maybe 3%, maybe 6%. Um, would be a really good contribution. I've even seen nine percent mm-hmm. for, you know, a fantastic contribution by the by the uh, company as a match. Um, but anyway, you know, that's an incentive to, to to stay in there and stay with the company and to save for retirement. 
And 401ks, they have special rules around withdrawals, taxes, and that makes them a bit more complicated than a regular investment account that you would have that you'd open in five minutes. But point is, it's retirement money in general, and you need to leave it in there to age 59 and a half. You get a tax deduction when you put it in, unless you use the Roth option where it's tax deferred yes. or tax free. Right. So, there you go. Yeah. So the, one of the questions is, is you know, should you cash it out when you when you leave the company? And uh, you know, Steve, we're not real dramatic people, but uh, man, I tell you, people cashing 401ks out, it can cost tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we're going to go go through an example here in a second. But it's amazing, about 50% of employees cash out their 401k balance when they move to a new job. And that's according to uh, Hewitt Associates. And the appeal of cash today wins out over, you know, any sort of saving plan for the future. So kind of sort of the same way people are tempted to spend their their tax refund or, or small inheritance. So it's available today and it's, it's, it is tempting, but Man, it's a it can be a big deal. Yeah, the short answer is heck no. <laughs> heck no. <laughs> don't cash out your four hundred one k. Right? Um, don't go spend it. Don't pay the tax. You don't want to do that. Big mistake. You won't recover from that. I did that my first job. Um, cashed out my four hundred one k. Paid a penalty. And that money was gone. You know, it yep. just didn't make it back into a plan. New so, golf clubs? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I spend it on. You know, it was right <laughs> when I moved. And probably, yeah, something. You know? <laughs> something fun. So that's right. Can't even remember. So don't do not do that. Yeah. I mean, for instance, say you had cash out $80,000 from your 401k at 45 and you're, you know, in a 28% tax bracket after paying $22,400 in taxes and $8,000 in an early withdrawal penalty, you'd be left with a you know, a very small pile of money, right? It would be about $49,000 from your $80,000 yeah, big plan. Hit. So huge hit. You don't want to do that. You know, had you left the money alone and you didn't contribute another dollar into account and you let it grow at 6% a year until you're 65, you'd had a, over a quarter million dollars, John. So that 80000 would have grown to over a quarter million. Mm-hmm. That's what it cost you for cashing your money out because you're going to spend the doggone money if you cash it out. Let's face yes, it. Yes, right. You're not saving it anymore. You're not saving it. So that's a that's mm-hmm. a big deal. And the IRS imposes strict distribution rules um, because of the preferential tax treatment. So when you do withdraw money from a 401k before 59 and a half, you know, you're going to be subject to the uh, ordinary income taxes plus a 10% penalty. So, you know, the penalty doesn't apply if you're 55 and have left the company. And obviously a, a note in during COVID is, uh, you know, that 10% penalty has been waived, which is, uh, you know, if, if you need it to live uh, because you've been affected by COVID, then absolutely that can be a resource. But uh, try to stay away from, from pulling money from 401k. Yeah, so, don't dip into that. Yeah, so that's one thing is you could cash it out. Highly recommend not to do that. You could also do nothing. So clearly, you know, you shouldn't withdraw cash from your 401k. Um, but how about ignoring it and letting it grow for a number of years between now and retirement? And, you know, whether or not you, you choose to leave your account as is or roll it over to a new account depends on a couple of factors. Uh, obviously, the 401k has a limited number of funds and not all of them may be up to snuff. So moving to an IRA would likely have more choices, um, you know, that you could manage yourself or have someone help you. And if you work with an advisor, you know, a lot of times they're going to offer retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as well. So there may be some additional costs associated with it, but there's also some additional services that are that are also um, available. And you'll want to understand the, the fee structure. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks, they really do need help with um, financial management. 
I mean, you know, leaving it in a 401k and, and trying to choose between 20 funds is difficult for most people. So right. uh, Dave Ramsey obviously recommends rolling it to an IRA because you're in control of it um, and you also have more choices. So that's how Dave kind of views it. Yeah. Having said that, I mean, one option is to to move your money into your new 401k when you're starting a new job. Um, you know, if your new employer offers a 401k plan, then you can transfer your assets from your old plan into the new one without a tax penalty. And if you're starting a new job that offers a 401k plan, you, you have the option to bring your old plan over and consolidate it um, with the new one um, without taking the tax hit. And if the new plan has some great investment options, then that that might be a good move. So that's one option. Yeah. So the specifics of moving from your 401k, it really depends on the the plan administrator. In most cases, uh, you know, a phone call to them, um, they can help you process it over the phone. Um, If it's made out to a custodian, there's not going to be any taxes due or penalties. If you take receipt of that, though, they're going to bells and whistles are going to start going going off, right? They're going to withhold twenty percent in taxes, and you got to be very careful when you start doing the rollovers and you're doing it right. So another option is you can open up a, an IRA, individual retirement account, and move your four hundred one k asset into this account. Uh, this works especially if you don't have a new job lined up as you leave your old one. And, you know, IRA accounts also have more investment options, like we mentioned. Um, and, uh, you know, so and you, you got a lot of choices. You know, you can you can leave it there. You can roll it to the new uh, new plan. You can do an IRA self-manage or you can work with an advisor to help you kind of with the overall picture. Yeah, that's right. And I noticed something just the other day looking at a, this with a client from SRS um, into their SIP plan. You know, once they... Uh, once they retired, it wouldn't let them do a partial rollover. Mm. They had to roll it all or none. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an all or none thing. You know, so it just kind of shows you some of the limitations you have in 401k plans. You know, they're great for accumulating money. They're not very good when it comes time to distribute it. You know, <laughs> they're not set up for that. Um, they don't really, you know, have an efficient way to take it out of the highest at- priced asset, mm-hmm. you know, and to kind of rebalance the, the yeah. portfolio while you're doing it. Um, so I don't know. Once you retire, I would say roll it out for sure. Um, but anyway, I just, I just thought it was interesting to note yeah. that yeah. they're, they're restricted. All that or way. none. All or none. Yeah. So, you know, but if you have, um, a small account, if it's under $5,000, according to some of the personal finance experts, they list here about a half of 20 somethings cash out their 401k plan when they switch jobs. Um, because the balance of the account is probably on the lower end, you know, there might not be the pressing financial obligations like student loans and credit card debts. Um, but at some, you know, or there might be those obligations yes. they cash it out for. But at some organizations, the company will automatically distribute the money to you if your balance is under $5,000 or less. When you leave, minus a 20%, you know, mandatory withholding. For the IRS. So again, you know, if you don't do anything with it, they won't hold it for you. So they're kind of restrictive. Yeah. And if you do get that check, you know, in order to avoid the, the penalty, um, you know, you have to put it uh, back in within 60 days and you have to put the 20 percent that's missing back in as well. So kind of kind of clunky. But, uh, you know, Steve, switching jobs can have a lot of emotions tied to the process. Um, you know, after all, we spend a lot of our, our days working with coworkers, helping organizations succeed. 
And uh, at a time of high stress and high emotions, it can be helpful to put, you know, one of these tasks on autopilot by knowing exactly what to do with your 401k. And so if you have questions about your situation, um, there are there are cases where it makes sense to keep it in the 401k and there are cases to, to move it out um, to a new plan or uh, working with an advisor, or even self-directed. So we can certainly help you with those uh, conversations and uh, decisions in your life if you want to reach out to us. Yeah, that's right. Great topic. All right. And that leads us to our final thing of the day here, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah. Creditcards.com says about a third of you listening out there have signed up for automatic payments for tri- trial periods and uh, end up forgetting about in, forgetting about them and, and paying for them for an extended period of time. Yep. So we've all done that. Yeah. So the prescription is, is go back and, and check your credit um, debit card statements, not only for that, but also any kind of fraud. You would want to look yep. at that. Sometimes yep. there's small charges. People are nickel and diming you to death. And, and kind of along with that is if you have elderly parents, somebody needs to be looking at their statements as well. Uh, I have a friend who's dad continued to sign up for these investment newsletters and they're like $150 a month. And he had multiple wow. ones that he was signed oh up for. Goodness. And, oh my goodness. And uh, so he, he called him up and basically said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, you know, get my lawyer involved to the company if you continue to give this service to my dad. So it was, it was a mess, but you know, you just got to look at your statements, make sure there's no um, charges that shouldn't be on there. Monitor. Yeah, and you know, and it's easy to get signed up for things because they nowadays everybody wants a monthly subscription. I yes. mean, for everything, even the weather dot com yes. app on your iPhone, yeah. you know, has like eleven dollar month subscription if but, you get the pro version. But you get fifteen minute increments, Steve. Oh, I mean, come on, you're right. Yeah, you're you know, right. Yeah, no, no, not the hour and, stuff. And none of the the ads. Not either. that I do that. I don't. Yeah, John, <laughs> I, don't I hear you. I hear you. I know, but I mean, all these apps, everybody wants that yes. monthly. They want to get in your pocket every month yeah. automatically, forever and ever. I'm in. You forget about it, and it just keeps getting charged. Yep. So you got to go and reset those things occasionally. You got to look at your statement, look at all the recurring charges, and go through them and decide: Hey, do I still need this? Yes. You know, is there a better option than this now? Why don't I just cancel a lot of these, start over, and let's just sort of sign up for the ones you're actually using because you're probably not using half those. Yeah, and can you imagine if you combine that with changing your light bulbs out, how much money you'll have? My goodness, yeah. Dude, those those light bulbs you mentioned. You'd be able to get you a new driver. That's going to save everything for us. <laughs> a new driver, new putter. <laughs> You know, you're right. No, these 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 things do add they up. They do. They it, do add up. I give it to you. It actually is a mindset. Really, it is. is what it boils down mm-hmm. to. It's you know these these are small things, but it's uh, if you add you know ten, fifteen, twenty of these ideas up, they start to add up significantly. And Absolutely, help you get out of debt, funding emergency funds, or putting it towards retirement. So gets it all going in the right direction for you. That's, that's right. Toward a successful retirement. So. Good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can link to us there, send us your questions, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.